Let's uh, pray, and then we can get started. Holy Father, uh, thank you for this evening, and uh, thank you for our brothers and sisters in, in Christ, and uh, for your, your family, and uh, we're grateful that uh, you've received us uh, in your son uh, into, into your household, and that uh, we have uh, in you a Father in heaven, perfect savior in your son and uh, we're grateful for him and grateful for all that you've accomplished through him and uh, all of your promises and uh, all that's yet and certain uh, to be uh, fulfilled and we uh, look toward his coming and to, to your kingdom and I pray that uh, more and more that that for we'd fix our eyes and hearts and uh, hope and that uh, we look to the return of your son because if we do, then uh, our hope will not uh, prove, prove vain, uh, for uh, he's come and uh, he will uh, return. And we pray their time would be uh, honoring and glorifying to you and that uh, you'd build us up in your word and that uh, our confidence would uh, rest not, not on men, but uh, on you and upon uh, the solid rock of your word. And so we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right, so uh, last time uh, we've had, this is our third class, but uh, only Eric was here last week, so uh, we took on uh, every uh, difficult passage uh, in the Bible and we resolved them all. Uh, so, <laughs> but we didn't record it, so, you know, too bad. Too bad. Uh, you know, no, no, we're, we're just talking, we're working through some passages, so. Um, so don't have, have proof and, you know, maybe forgot and we'll, we'll have to do it again sometime. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and so you really just, uh, if you haven't been here, uh, missed just uh, one week, and yeah. I know that uh, Dan and Mark, that you were here a lot uh, last, last year too. And so in our first class, uh, we're, we did a bit of review of the things we were covering, the life and offices of Moses, uh, that uh, even just following the corporate offices of Deuteronomy uh, 16, 17, 18, uh, he was... A judge, even in a sense king, ruler, like in, in his day, uh, you have that sort of imagery and even Pharaoh and the Egyptians bowing down to him, uh, where Joseph was made second to Pharaoh, except for the throne. Moses was even put over uh, Pharaoh by God. He said, you, you shall be God to Pharaoh, uh, as, as uh, the spokesman speaking uh, on, God's, on God's behalf. And during his prophet, and so a judge, even in a sense, a king, ruler among the, the people, uh, not the Davidic king, uh, and a priest and a prophet uh, par excellence. And so we're just reviewing some of those things, and, and we started to touch on, uh, I don't think we'll go back into it, but uh, just looking at uh, Aaron and Miriam uh, rebelling and uh, picking up there uh, where uh, Moses is God's uh, faithful servant in all his household and there are many prophets but uh, they're uh, they're not all uh, quite quite like Moses uh, he was the supreme uh, prophet in uh, Israel and we'll be seeing some more of that and we, we started to touch on uh, Korah's rebellion we have a sequence of events leading up to it where there's instruction about intentional and unintentional sins and then a man 
breaks the Sabbath by picking up sticks on the Sabbath, which was really, it was a high-handed rebellion and unbelief against God. And really it was, as we spoke about, it was not resting. Uh, the, the Sabbath was a day of rest, and you have all these feasts. Uh, you find in Leviticus, uh, you find in uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers and such, which were days of rest, and God said, you shall do no work on them. You shall not work. Uh, just just rest, uh, and he'll, he'll give atonement. Uh, God provides. He sustains. He uh, he blesses his people. He even gives them rest, uh, bringing them out of Egypt and uh, rest on the Sabbath from, from their work. God provides uh, for them and gives them bodies and such to, to work, but he gives, he gives the increase. He gives the crop. And David told them, you shall do no work. Anyone who does work shall be cut off. His unbelief, his rejection of God's provision, his uh, atonement that under the old covenant couldn't perfect them, they could believe he would forgive their sins. Uh, even said that he would uh, atone and, and forgive them. But year after year. And so, and you even see things like that in Isaiah that he told them, this is rest, this is repose, but they would not listen. Just wait for your God. Don't check out the water supply. Don't collude and make a deal with Egypt and with the northern kingdom and with uh uh, Aram or Aram, Syria, uh, against the Assyrians. Don't worry about, just wait for your God. He'll deliver you. And that's what they wouldn't do. And so you have these themes and ideas of rest, don't work. And, and to reject that was unbelief. It was a rejection of God's provision and redemption and atonement. And so this man picks up sticks and they wait to find from God what they should do. And they're to stone the man to death. And following it, God gave... Uh, a sign of tassels, blue tassels, I, I think four, that they'd put on their garments. Uh, the, the people, which was similar to the priests, is a reminder. They're a kingdom of priests. They're a holy nation, that they're uh, sanctified and dedicated to their God, uh, to, to serve him. Uh, and so it was a, a reminder for them of being a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, but Korah picks up on this, kind of like Miriam and Aaron seeing all these others prophesying. Well, has God only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us also? Well, Korah and his uh, ilk, uh, they see this. Well, why, why do you set yourself up and over the, uh, the people of God? You know, they're all holy. Uh, they, they can offer uh, incense. Uh, why do you and Aaron uh, exalt yourselves over God's people? And so they're basically taking a lesson from this that, hey, we're all priests before God. And is challenging uh, the high priesthood, Aaron, uh, and that Moses is God's uh, ultimate spokesman. And so uh, if we kept reading, we would have found that uh, after uh, God uh, demonstrates that uh, Aaron is uh, his high priest and Moses is his prophet, uh, Moses calls upon God uh, to, to judge the people. And, uh, and he even gives a, a sign that something that had never been seen before the ground opened up and swallowed them. And they went right down to the pit, right down to Sheol, uh, 
with their families and those who were in solidarity with them uh, in, their, in their rebellion. And so it's just another picture of uh, who speaks for God and uh, the consequences in their own day for rejecting God's word and rejecting it uh, through uh, his prophet Moses and uh, judge and sense king, ruler, uh, priest and prophet. And you see some of those themes throughout. You can see uh, like Samuel fills kind of multiple offices in his day and Jehoiada, uh, Jehoiada was the last person that I know of uh, to live 130 years. Uh, uh, Jacob, when he was 130 before Pharaoh, said, uh, few and evil have been my days. <laughs> but Je uh, Jehoiada, when he died, they buried him in the Valley of the Kings. They basically regarded him. Uh, some of the, the kings of Judah weren't even buried in the Valley of the Kings. Uh, they were so terrible. Uh, some of them were even eaten like a well, Jezebel and some of eaten by dogs and judged and died and such. But Jehoiada, they basically considered him an honorary king uh, in, in Israel because for so many years he served God so faithfully. And was that during the time of Joash? I think so. It, it could have it been, been uh, later... I'm trying to think who the, the priest was in Josiah's day, but I, I think it was under Joash uh, where you had the boy who uh, Jezebel, Ahab's, uh, who, and she was a Phoenician. She was queen over uh, Samaria, Israel, the, the northern kingdom, uh, married to Ahab, and she sought to kill uh, the, uh, the Davidic household and family and oh, her, uh, her descendants. You had Jezebel and then like Atalia, and she made herself uh, basically a ruler over Judah uh, because they were inter intermarrying. And so um, uh, I think the, the daughter, uh, Atalia, and you had Joash, uh, who is the only one preserved, the whole Davidic line, all of God's promises, the dynasty, everything, uh, almost wiped out. But when he was seven, they established him, and he was faithful, I think is until Jehoiada died. And so Jehoiada served God faithfully over time, and obviously God was, uh, was at work uh, in his life. And so we're just uh, reviewing uh, and touching on some of those things. Uh, we looked at a lot of uh, Moses' life and offices, uh, which uh, you can see kind of woven throughout the Old Testament, but then you see a culmination in uh, the coming of Jesus, the, the anointed, uh, the uh, eternal heavenly son uh, who is... Uh, incarnated and takes on it, uh, takes a human nature uh, to himself and becomes uh, the God man. That uh, he is, and you have these connections with uh, Moses, and like I've said, you also see you'll be interwoven like with Elijah and Elisha, who are prophets par excellence in their, their own day. Uh, but you also see, like in the book of Hebrews, now Moses was. He was faithful as a servant in God's household. So he's kind of emphasizing in the, the passage with Miriam and Derek in all of his household. Uh, but Jesus as a son, and they're drawing on uh, all of this like Davidic language, Davidic dynasty, uh, son and uh, rulership, uh, but also he's the, uh, the son who comes down from heaven. And so he is a judge and king and priest and prophet who comes down from heaven. He's, he's a heavenly 
uh, judge and king and, and priest and prophet. And so uh, at times you, you see all these connections uh, interwoven with Moses, but then you also see uh, that he's also infinitely uh, superior in that uh, his judgeship and kingship and priesthood uh, and, uh, his, and uh, as prophet, uh, he lives and, and reigns uh, forever. Yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. do daily breed. I mean, one of the Ten Commandments is if you dishonor your father and mother, one of them is a lie. But two point some million people, they, they had to break those commandments pretty much. Oh, and even, you know, the first commandment with the promise, as Paul says, and he, he draws on it as scripture. You know, there, there's still wisdom there, but he's not putting them back under uh, the covenant. So not law, Torah as covenant, but as, as scripture, as a source of wisdom, as prophecy. Uh, he draws on, uh, and we, we spoke about some of that, even like with the, we applied what looked like a ceremonial law, you know, put the tassels on, and uh, we didn't take from that, oh, we better put tassels on our garments. But wait, you can even look at, some of those themes go back to creation, but in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And, you know, you recognize some, like, differences, but it's written for our instruction, as Paul says. And so, you know, who uh, you have a lot, a lot of kind of classically, uh, quote unquote, like reform folk, uh, especially like capital R, you know, maybe reform Presbyterians, uh, who, uh, and others too, like in tradition, they'll just divide. Kate, uh, you have uh, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law. Uh, the uh, Israel isn't uh, a nation right now, so uh, you no longer have the, the civil law that's coming to an end, although maybe we can draw on it for, from some things. And all, all that's left is the moral law. Well, if Jesus didn't fulfill the, the moral law, we're in trouble, <laughs> you know? <laughs> we're in big trouble. Uh, he, he fulfilled it all. It's, it's multidimensional, like in Matthew, the ways he fulfills it. Uh, himself, uh, vicariously in his life, uh, they talk about like his active and passive uh, obedience and his, his righteousness being reckoned uh, to our account, uh, legally, forensically, we're declared righteous in him. He, he bore the penalty, he bore the guilt. And so uh, that legal declaration of God that we're righteous in his sight uh, because of what Christ has done uh, as our representative in our place. Uh, but also, there's a practical, ethical outworking of righteousness in the hearts of his people. Uh, that you see like in the new covenant i'll write my law on their hearts i'll cause them to walk in my statutes and commandments and uh, you'll be seeing that more like in romans uh, 5 through uh, chapter 8 a lot of that is uh, is uh, drawn on and uh, we looked at some of that last year in some of our classes looking at uh, paul and the, the law and such uh, and so it's multi-dimensional the ways that he fulfills uh, the law and as prophecy, you know, all the expectations uh, for the nation, the corporate expectations, the corporate offices, all of the individual prophecies and expectations, uh, he fulfills them all. I mean, even establishing Zadok in the millennial kingdom. And so there are things still to come. And so sometimes we can make the assumption where we see the word fulfillment. Um, okay, biblical authors, when they quote the Old Testament, 
just kind of a priori, before experience, um, it can only be a passage that has to do with an individual future promisey or fu future pro predictive prophecy um, of uh, the anointed. And that's what Messiah means. Um, and that's it. You know, that, that's the only kind. It's like, well, you have a lot of that like in the Old Testament, but it's multidimensional. There's so much that he fulfills. Uh, God has to fulfill it. For, for Israel, he'll make them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, he'll establish Sabbath. He'll establish all of his covenants, all of his promises, the kingdom, uh, and, and so on. And they will be a blessing to all nations, but only uh, only in Christ. Yah Yahweh has to do it. He's, he's the only perfectly righteous and just uh, judge, king, priest, and prophet. And so, yeah, Eric. Whereas the Israelites are also commanded, mm -hmm. and God mentioned consequences, yeah. but He mm -hmm. was merciful with both me and us as believers, new Israel and with absolutely old Israel. And yeah. yeah, interesting how He disciplines those He loves when they really went astray. He really did bring them back, and I really went astray in my own life. He really did bring mm -hmm. me back. Yeah, but His promises true. still remain true for them because He never did let that nation die. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for for uh, true true believers uh, who had His Spirit, and He He gave provision. You know, as we've spoken about, he gave provision uh, of sacrifices. Uh, and they could believe God would forgive their sins. He said, uh, the priest will make atonement and I'll forgive them. It just couldn't ultimately perfect them because, you know, they had to do it the next day, the next week, the next month uh, at all their feasts. Uh, they had to do it, uh, including like Day of Atonement, you know, year after year. Uh, the seven years, the Jubilees, 49, 50 years, you know, uh, on and on and on. And so... It just couldn't ultimately perfect them, but they could believe God would forgive them. You know, they weren't without provision for uh, God's uh, God's uh, forgiveness. Uh, and then, uh, which uh, Christ ultimately fulfills once for all in His once for all uh, perfect uh, sacrifice. But then He also circumcised hearts under the old covenant. He just didn't promise it. Uh, to all, uh, to to the whole nation, uh, you know. Uh, Elijah like cries out, and Paul draws on it that that they've you know killed like his prophets and such. And uh, I I alone am left. And God says I I have uh, kept for myself seven thousand who have not bowed the knee to Baal, uh, the false uh, Canaanite Phoenician uh, god. And so you always have a remnant. You have circumcised hearts. Uh, their rebellion, like at the golden calf, just following that, uh, you have the, the spirit. And he, he talks about the, uh, the when it's his spirit who comes upon, upon let's see, you have Aholiab and Bezalel, uh, the, the craftsman to equip them to do work in, in uh, putting together the tabernacle and working in, with all the fine linen and you know all the, the woodworking and structures and metallurgy, uh, metallurgy, you know, all, all, the, all that they, they did, God's spirit came upon them. Uh, and you have this like throughout. Uh, Joseph, you know, who, who else, you know, Pharaoh says, has the, the spirit of God. <laughs> 
and uh, God's spirit comes upon Moses and he's with Aaron and he says of Caleb, well, you know, the spies who went in, uh, you know, he judges them except Caleb. And later he says, except Joshua too, Joshua and Caleb, uh, for he had a different spirit. Was it just, you know, Caleb, you know, he just kind of had a different attitude about himself, you know. <laughs> Boy, that, that one, you know, he has kind of a different spirit. He carries himself a little different. No, it's God's spirit who comes upon him. And Moses uh, lays his hands upon Joshua, and the spirit of God comes upon him. The same spirit that was upon Moses is upon Joshua. And uh, with uh, Elijah and Elisha, Elisha requests that he, he would have a double portion of Elijah's spirit. <laughs> and the, the Holy Spirit had come upon Elijah. He said, I can't promise that. You know, you, you, don't, you basically don't know what you're asking. You know, that's not my place. But after, uh, after uh, Elijah was taken up and he saw the chariot uh, and such, the, the heavenly chariot, you know, saw uh, God gave him a glimpse of, uh, you know, things, things invisible, uh, spiritual realities. Uh, is a sign his request is fulfilled a double portion of, of God's spirit came upon him and you, you have kind of these themes all throughout like Malachi and looking to the you know prophet to come and such uh, such like that yeah Daniel so, talking about circumcision and um, and how this you know the reform I recently had some baptism oh, one, one thing I would say yeah, go ahead. right to that uh, yeah a little off so with those divisions, you know, a lot of times there's a declaration like who's antinomian and like who's not. I don't want to throw any of it out as scripture, as, uh, as wisdom, uh, as, uh, um, oh, why did, why does name suddenly slip me? Uh, uh, Paul in the law, keeping commandments of God, uh, Brian S. Rosner. Um, it's written for our sake, as Paul says. You see that with the so-called, like, things that seem more ceremonial, things that seem more more civil and moral you know as covenant uh, we're, we're not we're not under it but there's still there's still wisdom uh, written for our instruction as it's consistent with uh, uh, God's character purpose design and creation and uh, what we find like in the new covenant with uh, uh, the Jesus and the apostles and uh, prophets so you know we, we can uh, we can apply it all uh, when we uh, when we just how we see Paul does uh, looking to the Lord's teaching and such uh, as well. Yeah. Well, just kind of, I don't know if this is related at all, but just coming back uh, over the last couple, couple weeks, weekends ago, um, we had a baptism in my family that we went up to get our infant baptism, which I disagree with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it was, you know, and I, and I, I did some searching on, on infant baptism and how it's, it's dense and structured in the church from, from early times. Mm -hmm. Some of the even the reformed people still still practice it. And yeah, I'd I'd say not from the apostolic times. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But I'm just saying. But you, you you get a couple few centuries, you you see you see more and more of that. Right. Yeah. And, and you know just just the power of tradition and how it. Mm -hmm. um, and even the reformed people say it's it's baptism is a uh, replacement of circumcision, mm -hmm. which. Mm -hmm. It really is not because circumcision was done just as a, a, a national identity it, it, mm -hmm. to separate Israel from the rest of the nations. Mm -hmm. um, I, 
and I guess what I'm trying to get at is is this whole idea of you know the the uh, the Old Testament or you know the Mosaic Law is mm-hmm. not not something we need to to adhere to any longer. Um, and so when you, when you start taking circumcision to replace baptism or baptism to replace circumcision, mm-hmm. you're running into that that error of Part of the Mosaic Law and making that so suddenly this this little infant becomes becomes a believer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just by some kind of a ritual. And yeah, it's just to me. It's there, there's like a lot there. Um, they point to uh, those like they, I've heard heard and you know I, I want to try try and fairly represent. You know, sometimes if you talk about like the divisions, it's like of course if we were going into a lot like more detail. Um, uh, which we, we looked at some of that when we were dealing with like Paul Paul and the law. There, there's a lot that like you can raise and look at in certain things. Well, making all foods clean. Uh, okay, you, you know you have certain distinctions, weightier matters of the law. But I think when you look at like the big picture and you really you don't cherry pick, you don't deal selectively with uh, Paul and the apostles and prophets and with Moses. Uh, I don't think you can. You know, you, you can you can categorize things a bit, but the laws don't fit into nice, quite neat little uh, uh, groupings, collections of uh, legal bits that, okay, moral, ceremonial, civil. It's, it's too complicated, both in what Paul applies, because he applies, you know, the so-called like civil and ceremonial uh, for, for believers. And it's like, well, Paul, what, what are you doing? Are, are you a legalist? You know, <laughs> what's your problem? And uh, but on the other hand, I mean, when, when it comes to things that are very moral, when it comes to as covenant, you know, law as covenant, uh, suddenly, whoa, Paul, you sound like an antinomian. And it's like, okay, in, in a sense, uh, maybe he, he is, you know, so long as it comes as covenant. We're not, we're not under the covenant. But as scripture, as wisdom, as prophecy, it's written for our sake. And so the, the, you have to deal comprehensively. And like with the issue of baptism, they point to like in Acts, uh, Peter preaching, uh, these things are uh, for you and your children. It's important to read as many as God calls to himself, <laughs> you know, uh, right. on top of that. Uh, but kind of this uh, household language, and so they say, okay, it's not explicit, but it's implicit. You know, their, their whole household was baptized and such. Uh, but I think if you really look at the New Covenant, you look at the greater promises that... Uh, ultimately, it's it's not mixed. Uh, it's believers, and if you really trace out throughout, I mean, it's as many as God uh, calls to Himself. Uh, you'll consistently see again and again that in the whole household believed and were baptized. They they believed it. It was an issue of discipleship. Uh, make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and commanding all that I uh, taught you. Uh, it was, it was for disciples who received uh, the the teaching of of Christ, and uh, it's really consistent throughout. And I think you really have to do have to read some things in uh, to that. Now I do think, and maybe this will take us off, but good thing to to discuss. And you know, sometimes we're just going to have to do that on on Wednesday Wednesday oh, yeah. nights. I mean, if you can do it. Uh, 
go to Colossians chapter, let's see, two or uh, maybe three. Just say a quick comment while I was yeah. that. I was, mm-hmm. I was thinking that uh, verse that says don't muzzle the ox while it's stretching out the grain as, as perfect example of an Old Testament law of Moses that when you said in, in this per, is this for oxen and this is, even though the command was for uh-huh. is it for oxen in the Old Testament but God speaking to us he's saying yeah. to us. In the big picture I mean you have a lot for humans but as uh, uh as uh, Daniel Block and a lot of others have, have said, it, it shows that he has concern for all of society from the least to the greatest. And you have to be so careful. This is why you, you have to really read the totality of God's word. We have to know our Old Testaments and know them well. We have to know the Torah well because the New Testament authors assumed we knew it. And I know I've like spoken with Eric about like this. Um, it can sound very pious and you know there's even maybe a grain of truth to say well Paul is an authoritative interpreter of uh, the, the Old Testament as an apostle I think that's actually profoundly unbiblical if you look at the tests for uh, true prophet uh, Deuteronomy 13 18 they contrast uh, you, you have uh, a false false prophet and a true prophet you know uh, the, the false prophet does this the true prophet does that you know and such, and you, you have these tests, whether s- signs and wonders, uh, like in 13, you know, if, uh, if they think that's the one uh, where if they perform like a, a sign or a wonder, uh, and even if it comes true, the sign, if they contradict what comes before, you shall not be afraid of uh, them. In fact, they're to stone them to death. And so, it didn't matter if they performed a sign or a wonder, ultimately, if they contradicted what God had revealed uh, prior uh, and through Moses and the prophets that follow, they were to be rejected. They, they were to be tested by what God had already spoken. If they contradicted it, uh, you know, they're a $3 bill. They're, they're a, a false, false prophet. Don't be afraid of them. In fact, Stone them. Uh, be, be done with them. Uh, purge uh, Israel out of those who falsely put words into God's mouth. Uh, there's really no stronger warnings in Scripture for hardly anyone but their leaders and the false prophets and false teachers who speak falsely on God's behalf. And in Deuteronomy 18, that uh, you also have kind of the uh, the, the flip side of that, where if they have like a sign or a wonder, it doesn't come about or come true, you know, so they make some like grand prediction or whatever, um, then don't listen to them. Uh, one strike, you're out. You know, if you're a prophet, you have to bat 1,000. You, you know, you have to bowl 300? Is that, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we could come up with some other analogies, but it's, it's perfect. Perfection is the, is the standard. And so they were to be tested by what came before. And you even see like with, with Christ, uh, do not think I came to abolish uh, you know, the law and the prophets. I did not come to, uh, to abolish or nullify. I came to fulfill them. Now there is a sense where you have pa- Paul in the one sense will say like fulfilled in Ephesians in another a- abrogate or come to an end. Uh, but you have to look in the context. There are nuances about how how that's articulated, 
but came uh, to fulfill. Uh, he came to uh, uphold uh, the, the law and the prophets that spoke of him, uh, that uh, the, the prophecies. Uh, he held people to, uh, to account. I mean, even so much as saying that if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, uh, they won't even be persuaded if a man rises from the dead. And so he, he, uh, he upheld. And so it's not that, you know, we, we have to interpret in context. And it's not that, you know, as you read, like later prophets and, and such, there are certain things that they shared just as far as Hebrew rhetoric and, and uh, certain themes and ideas and promises that the more you read scripture, you know, uh, those things do help us and inform us uh, to be better uh, interpreters and handlers of scripture. But we still must handle Moses in context. Like it, it had a meaning to the original, original audience uh, that could be uh, could be uh, understood. Right. I, I, this is another Jim Twenty trail, possibly, but there's a great series right now that. Uh, oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Been listening yeah. to James White. Mm -hmm. James White's doing a, a thing on Sola Scriptura. Uh, he was answering um, something that came up on, on a Kappa Dancers uh, radio program mm -hmm. that he heard, and so he's doing a program. That I just listened to it today. It's from yesterday, actually, that was recorded. But it was really, really interesting in, in how much, um, you know, the solace of cure is so important, mm -hmm. especially um, Absolutely. as you see even the evangelical church going away from that. I just think of Andy Stanley. There's an issue mm -hmm. with him right now as far as. Um, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to check that out. I, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't heard it. And he yeah. did a program on that, too. So I just encourage you guys to, to mm -hmm. listen to that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, this today's show was long. It was like two and a half hours mm -hmm. long. And I Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to get a little distracted because you can't always, you know, you know, doing office work and getting everything else. Anyway, but it's I know very, how it goes. Yeah, but it's it's so it's so relevant uh, pertinent to what mm -hmm. you're saying today as mm -hmm. far as how the um, the, the, the new the, the, the you know the the apostles mm -hmm. um, and all the all the the New Testament writers mm -hmm. the Old Testament was was the key. The whole thing. Yep. I mean, well, obviously, mm -hmm. Christ was the key to the whole thing. Yeah. But how his fulfillment of everything, you know, the, all the Old Testament uh, prophecies about him and things like that were were uh, so scriptures, even for the the New Testament writers, mm -hmm. which would have been the Old Testament, mm -hmm. was was key to understanding mm -hmm. the, the key to their faith. Mm -hmm. in, in, uh, and and they they wouldn't they wouldn't receive, and they couldn't truly grasp, I mean, intellectually and, and spiritually, uh, Christ's work and that the, that the anointed had to come and suffer and be, be rejected and, and die. Uh, what the crucified Jewish anointed king, the glorious king, what? You know, that is just, is just offensive to their mind, but they could not receive it until he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. Oh, you, you know, are slow of heart to, uh, to believe what's written in Moses and the prophets. You know, he, he rebukes them. That's your problem. If you had just, if you had just read your Bibles and understood them, you wouldn't be in such 
agony over, oh no, they killed him. Oh no, like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, our hope, it's all ruined. Maybe, maybe he wasn't. We had thought he was, was the anointed king. If you had just understood that, you'd be like, of course, you know, he has to suffer and die and be rejected. But, the, you know, they, they, they couldn't receive it. He had to open uh, their, their eyes. There, there's a spiritual uh, sort of blindness that they can't receive this. No, we're, we're looking for the glory. You know, that's, that's what we're all about. But it, it, can't be a part, it can't be a part from the cross that perfects them. And it's them. probably because they had their sense of conditions mm-hmm. in their mind mm-hmm. of what, yeah. what was yeah. supposed to happen in their mm-hmm. minds based on their traditions, mm-hmm. not so much Scripture. And I think they knew their Scripture yeah. as well. Yeah. But traditions even back then mm-hmm. probably clouded their minds. Mm-hmm. They, couldn't, they couldn't understand Mm-hmm. Who the Messiah was, and what what you know, I know it's easy to criticize them from this <laughs> this side, but oh, uh, yeah. we would have been in the same boat. Oh, abs- absolutely, so, absolutely. Well, I was, yeah. I was thinking, you know, Bob was always talking about means, but I think you're you're, you're right about the traditions. But again, it's God that hardened their heart. It said, you know, that they mm-hmm. couldn't see the nail eyes or the uh, eyes of him. But and part of that, even with look, uh, Peter. Oh Lord, you know. Th- you know, everyone might leave, uh, every, everyone, you know, if they leave you, I will not. You know, he, he had too much confidence in himself. And so when they all abandon him, it's just, you know, it's just him. It, it shows. It's, it's, all of, it's all of Christ, uh, salvation. Man had no, uh, no part in it uh, what, whatsoever. You know, they, they betrayed him. They left him. They... Uh, God brought brought about like repentance, but it's it's all of Him. That's that's it. It's the only uh, person you have to, to look to. Well, I, I guess I was going to read one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just three verses here. It talks about the Trinity of God. It's thirty five verse four. He said, "Surely they are my people, God's people, and I am their God. Shall they not shall not feel falsehood?" And, and He became their Savior and their affliction. He was afflicted in the angel of His presence. Yeah, it was, was that um, in some places like you have to be careful within like Exodus and such. Sometimes you do have other uh, angelic, you know, hev- heavenly, <laughs> heavenly like ministering spirits and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah. But there, there are times where it makes it clear, whoa, this one's Yahweh who you know receives worship and and such. Yeah. A literal version. Yeah. Of, uh, version or <laughs> version of that is uh, instead of it says angel of his presence, it says angel of his or you know angel of his face. Which yeah. Uh-huh. And is that uh, S- Stephen in the Acts? Oh, this is 63 or, of Isaiah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, uh, I didn't catch where, where oh, you're reading from. Yeah. I know he, like Stephen, uh, kind of recounts their rebellion and such. Uh, uh, Bob, Bob was working through that. And I think even, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times you have uh, some like reform folk and uh, amillennialist and such, and they'll point to like Peter. I know Eric has like addressed this, uh, that uh, when it talks about them, you know, they they uh, tried to like understand and such uh, the, uh, the the person and uh, like the 
uh, the timing that the spirit in, uh, in them was indicating. So it's like if, if you read that, the issue is they didn't have a clue what they were writing. They didn't know the exact person and the exact time. You know, uh, all, all of them. Uh, now Daniel lays out uh, things like with his, uh, uh, with the, uh, the weeks and such, or the, the sevens, but um, like they didn't have pinned down Jesus of Nazareth, you know, uh, in the, uh, the uh, during the, the reign of uh, Augustus Caesar and, uh, and the ministry like under Tiberius and uh, Pontius Pilate. And, you know, they, they didn't have all, all that, uh, all that like level of detail. And I, I even think I, I mostly agree with Eric. Uh, he, he actually kind of helped me to, uh, to grasp uh, Peter a little better. I think where you have like in Second Peter, says that they they didn't like uh, deliver uh, or they weren't following cleverly devised myths uh, when we made known to you the, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. When it goes on to talk about, we have more sure the prophetic word. I don't think he hasn't introduced interpretation yet. It comes a little bit later. He doesn't say we have more sure interpretation says we have more sure the prophetic word which you've been talking about before it's the exact same language when peter says that you will uh buy these things you know persisting uh in them god has supplied all godliness and uh, uh power and such uh that by these things uh you will well let's just go there quickly uh Second Peter one, and sometimes we'll just have to treat this in detail. I think Eric is. I'd, I'd agree with him that it gets to the interpretation issue, but you have to be careful to read it in the right order. If you read later and there's a concept or an idea that hasn't been introduced yet, you can't necessarily just read it backwards. Uh, in you have to follow the author's flow of thought in the argument. And so, talking about the, uh, the supply that God has given them uh, and the, the faith that they've obtained, uh, verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So through that knowledge, he's supplied uh, us all things pertaining to life and godliness. This is the salvation message uh, through which we're, we're supplied. Uh, uh, perfectly uh, by which uh, and so through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence uh, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them uh, his promises you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world uh, because of sinful desire for this very reason on this basis Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And love's the whole end of it. So from faith to love, God has supplied everything you need through his promises. And so now, uh, you know, now, now he says make every effort knowing that God has supplied it all, you know. <laughs> and so uh, 
it's, it's not just, you know, picking up, <laughs> up by one's own, own bootstraps. He supplied it all. Okay, yeah. now, now we can, you know, make, it, make, uh, make every effort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's what, you know, I've been constantly aware of and growing mm -hmm. Returning to the word, returning to prayer, uh, returning to uh, remembering, you know, the supply that God has given us. Okay, now let's, you know, let's let's persist in the faith, you know, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's grow uh, in the knowledge and in wisdom of God. So, and so, so this, yeah. this to me is just another indication of these guys that wrote these epistles mm -hmm. and letters. Mm -hmm. They were not working off of any New Testament documents, more than likely. They were <laughs> working off of yeah. They've, all these promises were made. And Jesus, in and Jesus teaching. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Jesus teaching. So it, it just, to me, solidifies that the, the Christianity is based on the Old Testament and the, Jesus Christ coming to fulfill what was in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. And I just find that very exciting. Yeah. Because it's, uh, and that, that, like you say, it's, it's very important that we learn what's in the Old Testament because this is what. The knowledge that they're talking about, mm -hmm. that was the Old Testament. Yeah. And the, the yeah. knowledge of that was was something God obviously granted them to understand mm -hmm. uh, how Jesus fulfilled yeah. that, yeah. those promises. Absolutely. But that's what we need to do too. Yeah. But now we have the New Testament too. Yeah. So yeah. Just, you know, just I just think that's well. And so often they, they, they assume that their audience. They know these things, you know, don't you? You know, the right. author of Hebrews, like, rebukes them. Yeah, and <laughs> you even know? like Romans, he, you know, he wrote that to Gentiles, and, and we assume that they knew these things. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, I think we're in this supposedly really intelligent, uh, as, as, you know, <laughs> you know uh, basically a lot, of, uh, a lot of Christianity, mm -hmm. in quotes, is biblically illiterate. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything. About oh, that's very, yeah, so true. And so, in godliness with brother, brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, uh, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted uh, that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. You have a problem of unbelief there. Uh, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to, uh, to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities you will never fall for in this way uh, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ now uh, therefore brothers be all the more diligent to, con to confirm your co uh, calling and election spudasate vevean confirm it's the exact same language when he says, we have more sure the prophetic work. He was with confirmation. It's about the fulfillment of the scriptures, what the prophets had, had uh, spoken, spoke, spoken before. In fact, uh, look at uh, verse 12. 
So he's talking about the eternal kingdom of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, that your entrance will be richly provided for you. We haven't received the fullness yet. You know, it's to come when Christ returns, uh, his e eternal kingdom. And this is how God sustains us and causes us to grow and persevere in this life to receive uh, the coming kingdom that comes with the Son. And so in verse 12, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. And so this whole thing is about reminding them, reminding them of what the, what the prophets taught, what the apostles taught uh, through, through Christ, uh, reminding them of the coming kingdom. Yeah, you know these things, but you need to be reminded. You need to persevere in these things. You need to continue and, and grow and hold fast. This is how God supplies your salvation uh, by, by his promises, uh, hold, holding fast. And so uh, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may uh, be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For not having followed cleverly devised myths, you know, we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord uh, Jesus uh, Christ, or not having followed them. And the thing is, is that it's, it's not a myth, it's, it's true. It's certain what's coming. Uh, these, uh, these promises of the coming kingdom, uh, God's promises, uh, all the, the salvation that's been supplied to them uh, through, through faith and all of God's promises, uh, they're, not, they're not myths uh, that, that they were following. And he's using this to support his exhortation, to remember these things. He will not tire of, of reminding them. Uh, four, so he's, he's supporting, uh, supporting this exhortation to them uh, to remember. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, uh, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And so support that they didn't follow myths, but they were eyewitnesses of the coming in glory. And what did he promise them uh, after they confessed? Uh, you know, Peter kind of is their spokesman. You are the Christ, uh, the, you know, uh, the son of God. Uh, he confessed them as the anointed one, uh, the, the one to come. You know, who do people say I am? Who do you say that I am? Uh, they didn't fully grasp, you know, the implications of this, but they, they confess them, you know. It's a step in the right direction. And after, like, rebuking Peter, you get to the point where he says that, uh, truly I say to you uh, that uh, that, some of you uh, will not pass away, like until, or you will not pass away and such uh, until you see the Son of Man coming in uh, glory and power. And right after that, they go up on the, the mountain 
uh, with uh, Peter and James and John, uh, sons of uh, Zebedee. And he manifests his glory before them. Just as Moses saw the glory of, of Yahweh and, and Yahweh spoke to him uh, personally, audibly, on uh, the mountain, Mount Sinai, and as he did the same thing to Elijah in his day, who went 40 days, 40 nights into the wilderness up on the mountain, and God uh, manifested his glory and spoke to Elijah. Now Elijah and Elisha appear, and they see Christ's glory. <laughs> they see the glory of God in, in the person of Christ. Uh, and then uh, the, the cloud, you know, uh, the cloud of glory comes, and they hear, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so God spoke from, uh, from the cloud, testifying uh, his, uh, his word. And they, uh, they heard, they saw, they saw a glimpse of the coming glory. They saw a glimpse of the coming uh, kingdom that he manifested, uh, which, will, which will be uh, seen from, from the time of his second coming when he comes with his uh, 10,000s and 10,000s of uh, uh, angels, you know, in a flame of fire and uh, in, uh, in blazing glory, you know, on the, the, the clouds of heaven. Uh, it comes to establish his kingdom and bring judgment upon uh, the rebellious nations and bring salvation to, uh, to his people and believers. So they saw a glimpse of this thing. Uh, these are the promises, the promises of the, the kingdom that he's telling them to hold fast to. It's not a myth. They saw it. We were eyewitnesses. We were there. Uh, and He's reminding them of this, and they heard God speak and testify. And then he says, uh, so uh, we ourselves, verse 18, heard this uh, very voice uh, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Uh, and we have, it's more sure, the prophetic word. We have more sure the prophetic word. Uh, in the prophetic word, I mean, wh what is that? It's, it's scripture. And right now, he hasn't talked about interpretation yet. It's, it's bigger and broader than that. He's going to get there. He's, he's going to get there to the, the divine origin and source of scripture that the false teachers distort and twist. But he hasn't, he hasn't introduced that yet, so you have to read ahead and read a concept back in that hasn't been introduced yet. Uh, it's the, the prof we have more sure the prophetic word. And we saw the exact same uh, language. Let's see, here verse, we're in verse 19. Veveoteron. We have more sure. It's the exact same language uh, to uh, confirm their calling and election. It's about confirmation. And so what they saw of the promises, the coming kingdom, the glory, and what God spoke on the mountain, they were eyewitnesses. And so the apostolic witness, they see the fulfillment. And so the scriptures, the promises are, you have confirmation, you have fulfillment. It's fulfillment language that you see all, all throughout, all throughout, uh, throughout scripture. He doesn't say we, we have more sure our interpretation of the prophetic word. We have more sure the prophetic word. And so that's, that's the scripture. But then just as you read, we have more sure the prophetic uh, word, or here it even says more fully confirmed. It's about confirmation to which you do well to pay attention as to a light 
lamb shining in, in dark place. Focus on the promises of God. And then he goes into the origin is from God, it's from the spirit. And he talks about then it's not from man, it's from God. And so when the false teachers, he gets in the next chapter, you know, distorted, that, you know, it has to be rightly handled. He even says that he talks about in chapter three, uh, the uh, reminding them of what was taught them by their holy prophets and apostles. And even talks about Paul at the end, who, you know, his letters, some things that are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction. Don't do it. You know, they, they twist old, the, the, the prophetic scriptures, they twist the apostolic letters, you know, uh, don't, don't do it. So well, we'll, we'll uh, pick up uh, next, uh, next time uh, in two, two weeks. So God, God bless.